Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 33 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined by Jordan Renan and James Cratch after what was a 20-14 to 14 loss for the Giants in Washington against the Redskins. They dropped to 5-6 and six now. Their winning streak against the Redskins is over, and now they have fallen into a tie with Washington for first place in whatever the NFC East is. Jordan, we'll start with you off of the game yesterday. We're doing this podcast on a Monday. Uh, that was a difficult performance for the Giants to, to kind of stomach as they walked away because it really felt like, and, and they talked about it and you wrote about it, they didn't show up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, offensively, they were just brutal. Uh, I think that's that's the side of the ball that I really look at. Because if you think about it, the game starts out and the Giants turn it over on their first two possessions, right? So granted, the defense didn't play great throughout the game, but to say they didn't show up is just asinine, in my opinion, and say it was everybody. They went out there, they threw two interceptions, one of them pretty deep, you know, in their own territory, and the defense let up zero points. So Giants are still sitting there at that point, sitting at 0-0, with a chance, you know, to, to sort of settle down and get in the game. But the offense really, really struggled. The running game, completely non-existent. The... Passing game, pretty much disastrous until the fourth quarter. And really, nobody other than Odell Beckham out there capable of making any plays. The offensive line being banged up, down three starters when Jeff Schwartz leaves the game. So that's 60% of their line. If you want to look at it as their projected starters from the season, you could throw in Will Beattie there too. So that's 80% of their projected starting offensive line before the season not on the field. Eli Manning felt the pressure. I thought he got flustered a little bit. It got to the point where he was basically just flinging the ball up ridiculously uh, at, there at points in the third quarter, maybe even early in the fourth. Uh, and it, it was ugly, and they deserved to lose this game. And from a big-picture standpoint, I look at it as – I don't look at it as this team is trending downwards or their season is over. I almost view it as – this was almost inevitable. The one game, the game where they went out there, and we said this all along, they had such a slim margin for error, where they went out there and they committed turnovers and they didn't play well, they were gonna, this was going to happen. And it really hadn't happened much this year. I mean, it happened maybe a little bit in that Eagles game earlier this year, but besides that, they've hung in every game and hung around tough against some really good teams. And, uh, but for the most part, won, even in that Eagles game when they got hammered, they won the turnover battle. Sam Bradford turned it over three through three interceptions. So, uh, you know, the day that they went out there and they didn't create turnovers and they had a game where they turned it over, which is what happened here, partially because of Eli, partially because uh, he didn't get much help. Shane Vereen just flat dropped one into the hands of uh, a defensive back. So, uh, you know, they get rolled. So I, I do think they could turn it around. They still only have one, uh, actually two teams now because the Jets have a winning record. But two of the five teams remaining on their schedule have a winning record. So still opportunity to win some games and win this division. They're still tied for first place in the big picture. James, for you, when you watched that game on Sunday down in D.C., where did you put most of the blame for the offensive struggles for the first three quarters? We'll get to the fourth quarter and the almost comeback. But Jordan just illustrated there. I mean, the offensive line so banged up. Eli was throwing it around, I thought. Uh, the Vereen interception uh, the off his hands, what Jordan mentioned. I also thought in the end zone, maybe Randall didn't work for the ball as well as he should have. But there were others, including, you know, like Jordan said, interceptions that didn't happen, where Eli yeah. just threw it up. The running game was awful. 
I mean, where do you put the blame? Or was it just a collective thing with the offense against the Redskins? I think it was sort of a collective thing. There's a lot of things. I mean, look, the running game was not good at all. And you know, they ran the ball with some success early on, and they just got away from that. Um, I think another issue you have is the fact that that offensive line is banged up. Now, I will say this. I thought the protection was relatively, I'm not, it wasn't good, but it, it was competent, I thought, in the beginning. Um, and I don't, like, for instance, the interception down the goal line, you know, the protection wasn't the problem. Eli just made a poor throw. He threw the ball behind Randall. Um, but then the line started to kind of fall apart from there, and uh, I think Eli just started throwing. You know, he was just throwing passes up, and, you know, he's, he could have thrown six interceptions yesterday with some of the balls he threw up. But, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like fourth and 16 and you think they're done and this is going to, you know, not even be a game. And then they had a 40 yard touchdown pass and that kind of changed the whole complexion of everything. But, uh, no, I think it was a a collective thing. The offense just laid a, laid an absolute egg on a day where they really couldn't afford to. Yeah. It was Eli's lowest passer rating of the last two years since that San Francisco game. And it kind of reminded me of that where the ball was just going everywhere. Uh, and he had a bad game, a ton of interceptions and, and now they're five and six. And Jordan, you mentioned here, uh, tied for first place now with the Redskins. Uh, were you more impressed with the Redskins after yesterday, or do you walk away saying the Giants just laid an egg there? I mean, Washington now is in first place, and I mean, you could probably make a, a good case they're the favorite now to finish this thing off, considering their schedule and they've got some good wins in the NFC East. Jordan, did your opinion of the Redskins change on Sunday, or was this more Giants just played an awful day? Uh, maybe I think the Redskins are a little better than I probably was giving them credit for. Uh, I know James, I mean, James, come on, man. This is, uh, you've been on the Redskins for how long and, and you picked the Giants to win? I, uh, you at know, home? I you just, should, you I should know better than everyone else that, that, that the Redskins are dominant at home. I dropped the ball. I, uh, believe me, that, that thought hit me many times yesterday when I spent this, all this time getting, getting rib for, for <laughs> Redskins to be in the hunt at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I just didn't have the fortitude to carry out one more week, unfortunately. Yeah, but, I mean, the Giants did play terribly. But, uh, but James said something that I almost – that I don't really agree with. He said – and everyone's saying this was such – you know, they couldn't afford to, to, you know, lay an egg in this game. You know what? The reality is, yeah, they could have basically put the division away, essentially, by – you know, they would have been two and a half games up on the Redskins. The Redskins would have been buried if they lost that game. But in the big picture, they're still tied for first place after all this. So, you know, it's a bad loss because the opportunity was there to put it away. But at the same time, it doesn't even come close to burying this team. I mean, they're tied for first place. The only reason they're technically behind is because of division record. And that's only because the Redskins have played significantly less division games. We don't know what their record is going to be after five division games. It could be two and three as well, which is what the Giants are at. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it leads to going forward, but I don't think the Giants are in a terrible shape. They're still in a spot where if they, you know, win a good amount of the majority of their final five games, if they went four to five, I'm pretty confident the Giants are going to make the playoffs. I mean, does anyone disagree with that? No, but if they went four out of five, they're, they're beating the Panthers at home and they're beating the Vikings on the road. Right, right. And yeah. that's just, I mean, to me, look, I don't think they're done, but – would it we, surprise they, you that much if they beat the Panthers or the? No, of course not. I mean, they they came how close to beating the uh, oh. New England Patriots? No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's just that when they came back from the bye, they talked about six game stretch run, six game season, blah blah blah, and now it's like it's a five game season, 
And what happens if they lose? I mean, look, Sunday, Jets, it's a toss-up. What happens if they lose to the Jets? Then all of a sudden it's a four-game season. I just feel like with each week that goes by, the Giants don't, you know, kind of grab control. Time starts to run out, and, you know, you get to a point where you might, you might have to beat the Panthers to make the playoffs. And, and that's just not really a spot. I mean, could they beat the Panthers? Yes. Could they beat the Vikings? Yes. But to be in a position where they yeah, have to Certainly underdogs. Games, certainly underdogs in those games. Could, to be in, we have to beat the Panthers to make the playoffs? That's not really where you want to be. Right. Well, you know, it's a bad division. And this Giants team, they're just not, they're not that good. I, no, I mean, I, they're, they're just they're, – they're an average team. Like they were in first place at five and five. I think that explains everything. Like that's what they are. They're an average, slightly below average team. That's where they hovered all year. And, uh, they showed that again on Sunday. I mean, that, that's their true colors. And the, the reality is they have a very slim margin for error. Yes. And, and they made some mistakes early and they couldn't overcome them. Even like the touchdown to Deshaun Jackson, early second quarter, you find out that's a mistake. That's not like just guys getting beat. The, the Redskins pulled a fast one on them there. The Giants weren't on the field. I, I mean, the Giants weren't ready when they snapped the ball. The next thing they know, they're kind of running around with their heads off, and then Deshaun Jackson gets, you know, doesn't get touched near the line of scrimmage, runs freely, basically has Brandon Merriweather in the middle of nowhere, and is there, uh, who's a, supposed to be the single high safety on that play. Uh, you know, deeper than the deepest is, is the expression, and he's nowhere near there, so... Uh, you see what happens is that you know they they get hit with that play they're down ten nothing and that game was with the way their offense is moving was pretty much over. It was and it was good timing by the Redskins to pull that play out then without DRC on the field. Hosley lined up against Jackson. You mentioned Merriweather there and it was it was a perfect storm uh, yeah. for the Redskins right off right off the timeout right, right not off the timeout but off a punt so they had just went to uh, they just went to commercial and they come out of commercial and that's what happens bang bang. Ten nothing, three nothing game at that point. Now they're down ten. They hit the play, and and you're right. The game pretty much was over from there. Now the Giants did make a little bit of a you know a furious comeback there in the fourth quarter. They put some points on the board. Beckham made a ridiculous catch, and uh, and the game looked a little better uh, towards the end than it did for the first three quarters. I want to ask you guys about something I heard during the broadcast. Not sure if you guys heard it um, in the press box down there in Washington, but Daryl Johnson, who's doing the game for Fox, was a little bit critical of the Giants early in the game for targeting Beckham maybe too much, and Eli not paying attention to Harris or Randall. We've had this debate before, and it was kind of the opposite earlier in the season in some games where why aren't they trying to target Beckham more? In the second half of some of those games, they didn't do it enough, we thought. How about that yesterday? I think Beckham had 18 targets in the game. Was Eli looking towards him too much, or is that just what he has to do now, Jordan? Yeah, too much. I don't get it. Where's the other weapon then? Where's the other weapons? Who scares you? I mean, why wouldn't you want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible? What do the Atlanta Falcons do with Julio Jones? They throw him the ball. What do the uh, Houston Texans do with DeAndre Hopkins? They throw him the ball. These guys have way more targets than Odell Beckham. It's for a reason because they're the best players on their team and there's not a lot around them. And you know what the reality is? The Giants are the same way. I want the ball in Odell Beckham's hands as much as humanly possible. That's the way I want to roll if I'm the Giants. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Zero. None. James, how about you there? I mean, we've had this debate before, and uh, there's a point where how do you not target him so much? And then 
I mean, I understand where Daryl Johnson was going with the point. You don't want to force something into double coverage or not, whatnot. But but Jordan makes an equally good point. Where what, where else is Eli going to go? Where do you sit on that? I agree with Jordan. I mean, look, Odell is a generational player. I mean, he he is the. I mean, what he did yesterday with that catch in the end zone was spectacular. Um, I just. But it's something that you see it and you're like, oh, you know, that's a tremendous catch by Odell. But it, it never really surprises you anymore. I mean, he's Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, they got to get him the ball. He's, he's the best option they have. They can't run the ball. Um, I think Randall and Harris, you know, have given the Giants a good amount. You know, Randall being clearly, I think he's a little banged up. And Harris, you know, was a guy who they really didn't know what they were going to get at receiver. Um, but, I mean, and. But he's Odell Beckham. I I don't see how you could target him too much. And and I didn't think Eli was making horrific throws into double or triple coverage on Odell. I just thought he was getting the ball to Odell. Yeah, that's the point, James. I mean, if he wants to make that point, if he's forcing the ball and throws, if both those interceptions that he throws are on passes to Odell and he's trying to force it and it's leading to turnovers and bad plays, okay, I could buy that. But it wasn't. Those interceptions were thrown to Shane Vereen. And Dwayne Harris, and that's what happens when you throw it to those guys and not Odell Beckham. There's yeah, the, third, the third one was Randall in the end zone. <laughs> right. None of them were to Odell Beckham. He threw three interceptions. None of them were to Odell Beckham. And you know what? There was a couple more that he could have thrown. And I don't, in my recollection, those weren't to Odell Beckham either. No. I mean, if you so, want to talk about No problem throws. with it. I got, I got way more pro- – I have way bigger problems than that. I mean, in my list of, of things that I'm going to complain about – that's way, way, way down there. Actually, it won't even be on there. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I'm pretty sure I recall Eli throwing to Jerome Cunningham in double coverage. Like, I, I would be a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, knocking Eli a little bit more for that. Nothing against Jerome Cunningham, it's just that a guy who, you know, has had some drop issues in double coverage, then giving him a hard time for throwing the ball to Beckham. I mean, he's the best player in the league, maybe. <laughs> He's up well, there. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's he's the best, one of the best wide receivers in the league. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan, but I'm not going to go with best player in the league just yet. Maybe one day, but that catch, and like you <laughs> said, James, I mean, he's a generational player, generational talent. That catch um, was ridiculous. Before we get to previewing the Jets game and what we look forward to here, let's let's get a little bit into some positions, some players in the Giants that I think you know, as they've been saying, now it's a five-game sprint. It was a six-game sprint. I mean, this is the stretch run, no matter what they want to use the math for. And they have, probably have to make some decisions here on players that might not be performing as well as they need them to. Do you make a switch? Do you stand pat? So let's go over some of those guys, some of these positions that they're just not getting enough of, or they didn't at least against the Redskins, that maybe it's time to think about a switch before this season you know, gets away from them. Let's start with Brandon Merriweather. Jordan, you mentioned the play where he got caught up a little too close to the line of scrimmage. He's supposed to be single high. Deshaun Jackson, as we've seen a million times in his career, gets behind the safety, behind Merriweather there. Big play, touchdown, 17-0. Overall, I think he's been okay considering he came off the street in August. But as far as Merriweather, do you stand pat with him and his flaws out there, or do you maybe do something different at safety? I would change it up. I don't see why Brandon Merriweather's on the field at this point. A, he's not even a great tackler. Uh, so that's supposed to be his strength. He's a big hitter, but he's not exactly the surest tackler in the world. Yes, that wasn't a problem yesterday, but he has missed a bunch of tackles uh, over the last you know four or five games. Uh, I mean, I'd rather see Craig Dahl on the field permanently. I'd rather see them give Cooper Taylor a shot. I mean, I don't know if Cooper Taylor could play, uh, but I also know that if Landon Collins is going to play near the line of scrimmage, which he needs to, 
you don't want to get caught with, with uh, Brandon Merriweather in a deep portion of the field playing center field. I'd rather have Cooper Taylor. I mean, maybe he has his other deficiencies, but I'd like to at least give him a shot. I don't know if, if that's my option over Brandon Merriweather at this point. I just don't think he's a productive player for them. Having to play in the role that they're asking to play, and I agree with you, not that it was a bad signing because there was nothing available at the time. Uh, it was Brandon Merriweather was like pretty much the only guy sitting out there on the street, and they pretty much got as much as I think you can get from him. But at this point, he's not an asset to them at all. And I think I would at least try something else. I, my first option would be play Craig Dahl permanently. No need to rotate the three of them uh, with Landon Collins and, and roll that way. Yeah, I mean, as you said it there, and the, the idea of Dahl and, and two, Cooper Taylor, the one thing that I've wondered all year is how do you get away with Landon Collins and Merriweather out there at the same time? Because neither of those guys, you know, their strength isn't, coverage down the field or, or not, not rangy safeties. And you look on the schedule, Devin Smith for the Jets coming up on Sunday, Stefan Diggs for the Vikings. You're going to see guys that get stretched the field. James, what would you do with the safety position here with Merriweather uh, and, and the play he allowed on Sunday and now moving forward? It's tough. I, I agree with Jordan. I, I think they need to try other things. I mean, look, Cooper Taylor is a guy who he was, he had some really good moments in the preseason and I think a, a lot of us expected him to start uh, on opening night against Dallas, and then it seemed that like the last minute they decided to go with Merriweather. Um, yeah, I think Cooper Taylor is a guy you know who's obviously waived practice squad back on the active roster. I think he's a guy who Jordan's right. We don't know if he can play, but it's time to find out because Merriweather, who I, I agree was a good signing, I think he's given the Giants a lot more than any of us ever thought he would. But it's just not really a conducive situation, I think, uh, going forward. How about Ruben Randall? I mean, Daryl Johnson was all over him for the interception in the end zone where he thought he didn't work back to the football, didn't flatten the route enough or flattened it too much. Uh, and the pick was, was obviously there and right in front of him. He's a guy that I guess the, it just feels like he has to play because they don't have much behind him, especially with you know, Victor Cruz gone for the season and, and not coming back maybe you know, who knows ever, but certainly not this year. Jordan, what do you do with Ruben Randall? He's a frustrating player. He makes some plays, but at times he just does, he does hurt the team. I got to stick with him. They don't have much else. Akeem Nix, in my estimation, just can't provide you enough at this point of his career. to warrant playing that many snaps and that much. So uh, out of basically by default, you just, I'm sticking with Ruben, uh, Ruben Randall. Same thing for you, James. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to have Knicks on the roster, I, I think you should try to find out in the next week or two what he can and cannot do. Um, but I, I think Jordan's right. You know, Randall's a guy who they don't have a lot behind him. And, yes, he has his struggles, but then he'll go make a play that'll extend a drive or he'll get a touchdown catch. You know, he does make things happen. It's just maybe not with the level of consistency the Giants would like him to. He's probably just playing in a role that he's not, you know, that's yeah. out of his league because he's play, he's playing as a number two receiver and he's probably best as a number three receiver. Right, yeah, he's I, being counted on for what he's not right now. If Ruben what's Randall's, the other option? What's your other option? I guess a key mix, but like you said, I mean, he, he was on the street two weeks ago. Yeah, for ten weeks, ten games. Don't don't see that in a real option, but that's just yeah. So you don't really have an option, so it, it has to be Randall. Let's go to the running backs because this has been something that the Giants fans have just been confused about and 
frustrated about watching the Giants try to run the football all year, and they just can't do it. Uh, Sunday against the Redskins, 33 total yards. And they have four backs that they use at different times. None of them are very good running the football out of the backfield. Um, as far as the running back situation, there's not going to be a fifth guy to come out of nowhere and take the job. But do you think the four running back rotation is something they should stick to or maybe give the ball more to one of these guys or two of these guys? What would you do there? Stick with what they're doing or, or change it up somehow? I would definitely pare this running back field down. Um, I think Rashad Jennings should be the featured back. I think that you know yesterday none of the backs really ran well at all, but you know he's had his moments, especially when he starts a game where he'll run the ball well and then he'll go to the sideline and we won't see him for 90 minutes of real time. Uh, I think that you know Andre Williams is a guy who has just not really been able has gotten plenty of chances and he just hasn't found his footing. Um, so I think he's sort of a guy who might be. You know, maybe he has a role in short yardage packages, but um, I, I really think they should go to Jennings, give him 20, 25 carries, and see what happens. Because, look, this is a running game where there's five weeks left in the season, and they still are talking about we need to establish a running game. You know, you either have it or you don't have it at this point. And I think that you've know, you got to see if this guy can carry the load and give it to you. What are the options? Stick with it or make a change? Yeah, the, the whole running is? back. I'm, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go and make a change. I mean, it's a, yeah, with, right with James. That's it's an obvious. I mean, what they're doing now just isn't working. That's the bottom line. So try something different, and that's something different. Give one guy, two guys, majority of the carries. Try and get them into some sort of rhythm. Pound the ball uh, once in a while. You know, go go heavy for a drive or two. You know, once in a while. Uh, look, just. I don't know, commit to it in some way, shape, or form. It, 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 something. Commit to something. Anything. Is Jennings Gen- the guy, if that's the case, Jordan? I'm all right with it being Jennings or Darkwell. I don't really care. Just pick a guy. Hey, either guy. It's fine with me. Just go one of those guys. You got Doreen on the passing downs and let's roll. The other guy could you know, pop in for a couple carries a game if he you know, starts to get into a roll, and you could stick with him a little longer. But otherwise, just... Go with the two guys. Pick a running back, any running back. All right, we'll end with this on the stand pat or, or make a change for the Giants moving forward. Marcus Kuhn, defensive tackle. Uh, they obviously missed Hankins. We knew they were going to uh, when he went down with his injury a few weeks ago. Uh, Kuhn's not really giving them much there. Bromley's come in. I think he's been okay. Um, what would you do with defensive tackle? I mean, JPP back now is has enabled the defensive line to be a little bit better, but inside they're struggling without Hankins. Jordan, what would you do with Marcus Kuhn? Make a change. I like Montari Hughes. I know it's he made a, a big play that in people, that game. On people don't even notice. Yeah, you see him when I watch him on the film. I see him getting in penetration. He's a big guy. That's the role they need him to play. They need him to be a big stout guy. I think he would, you know, could provide something maybe that Marcus Kuhn is. And I don't think it'll be a huge upgrade either way, one way or another. I don't think either of them are going to be great players, but uh, I'm going to make that change and go with Montari Hughes. And, you know, Bromley is already playing. He's already in a role. I mean, it's not like it's not like I'm, I'm just substituting Bromley in and saying, oh, he's going to go and keep his snaps plus take Marcus Kuhn's snaps and play, you know, 70% of the defensive snaps. I don't see that being a realistic possibility. So I'm going to go and make a change for Montari Hughes. James, you mentioned Hughes on the podcast, I think, a few weeks ago. He was the practice squad guy they elevated. Is that, is that the guy you were talking about? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a big man. Uh, he is a big, big guy. Um, and he's got professional, 
pretty not uh, not a vast professional experience, but you know, he's been in the league a couple of years. Um, you know, I agree with Jordan. Look, I, I think play for Marcus, the Colts. Play for the Colts. Um, look, I, I think Marcus Kuhn sometimes gets a lot of uh, negative reactions from Giant fans that are a little bit overboard. Uh, I, listen, this team is not five and six because Marcus Kuhn plays a lot of snaps as defensive tackle. Um, it's it's not a strong point for the Giants, but it's also kind. It's for me kind of down on the totem pole of the major pressing issues this team faces on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, I think Hughes is a guy who, who deserves a look. You know, he, he's got great size. He does get some penetration. He's a he's a guy who, who's doing a lot of different things. Um, you know, he he was on the kickoff team, I believe, this kick return team this week when Dallas Reynolds was starting. I saw him, you know, it was kind of a crash course, and he was working with uh, Tom Quinn and Zach Diossi on the sideline. It looks like they were trying to teach him how to be the, the guard next to the center on a, on a punt or an extra point in the middle of the game. I'm assuming it was when Schwartz went down. So he's a guy, he's athletic. I think he can do a lot of things, and, and he is worth of a, of a closer look. And he's going to Big, get that biggest look. Guy, biggest guy in a roster, I believe. And he deserves to get that look. I mean, especially down the stretch here, his teams run the football more. If he can do them a good job and, and you know, clog the middle and help out, I mean, they're going to have to put him out there. All right, the Giants-Jets Sunday, MetLife Stadium. First time in four years these two teams played. It's eerie, the same kind of similar situation. We're in December. Uh, the Giants coming off a bad, ugly loss to the Washington Redskins. Uh, right about 500. Now they get to play the Jets. Last time, obviously, it propelled them uh, to a Super Bowl. This time, we'll see where it goes. But... As far as the matchup here, you can make a case. Uh, both teams, I mean, whoever wins this game is going to have a good chance to be in it the whole month of December and, and maybe make the postseason. The loser's probably going to be in some trouble uh, considering the Jets are 6-5. and five. They probably need 9 or 10 wins to get in in the AFC wildcard picture. The Giants, we know. James, how about the matchup here? I mean, the first thing I think of is the Giants really need their offensive line to get healthier here against the Jets' defensive line. Otherwise, that's going to be a very difficult matchup for them. Yes, um, obviously, Tom Coughlin in a teleconference today said that you know Jeff Schwartz with the fractured lower leg, he said that he thinks it's likely uh, Schwartz will be put on IR, um, e- even if it's not season ending and it doesn't seem to be definite yet. You would think that he at least wouldn't be available for this Sunday, and then with center Western Richburg and, and guard Justin Pugh, it doesn't seem like there's really a, a definite answer yet. So, but yes, I think this. This, uh, this Jets defensive front could cause a lot of problems for the Giants if their offensive line is not up to the task. Jordan, your thoughts on this matchup? I mean, it's one that both teams needed at this point of the season, uh, just like last time they played. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is not the last time they played. Let's get that out of the way. This Giant team is way different. They have a losing record, okay? They're, they're only in it because they're trying to, win a division that's pathetic. I mean, the the leader of the division has a losing record right now. So uh, there's no defensive line that consists of Justin Tuck, OCU Minura, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul in his best year of his, uh, you know, as an all-pro, all-pro level. So, you know, this is a way different team. That team had Nick in his, you know, uh, who was a budding star at the time. Uh, Cruz, who was a budding star at the time, you know, an offensive line that, while not especially good, was still about as seasoned a line as you can get. So, way different situation. 
the Giants are beat up up front. They're going to need to play well. That's going to be a real point of emphasis this week of how they're able to sort of compensate for the deficiencies there against a pretty good Jets defensive front. Although, I have to say, the Jets defensive front has been a little up and down. Uh, They don't have much of a pass rush outside of those defensive linemen. So, you know, those few defensive – I guess they're defensive ends in their system. So, um, those guys are the key. But outside of them, I I think there they could could survive. It's just a matter of how they stop Muhammad Wilkerson – how are they able to slow down uh, Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams? All those guys, essentially, if they're if and when they're working on the interior or even on the edge, because the Giants aren't very good at the edges either. No, they're not, and they'll get a big test against that defensive line and, and a Jets team coming off of thirty to twenty-eight, a thirty-eight to twenty win uh, over the Dolphins. So Giants Jets coming up on Sunday. I will see you guys at MetLife and. Uh, it's going to be a fun week as uh, all Giants and Jets fans get a little rivalry up uh, for the first time in four years, and it's a big one for both sides. So the Giants are 5-6, and six, and uh, we have a whole month of crazy football left. Jordan, thanks for doing this, man. Joe, anytime. You got it. Thanks, James. No problem, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening to Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Jordan R-A-A-N-A-N, at James Cratch, at Joe Gilio Sports, on iTunes and Stitches where you can find the show, uh, and make sure to leave a rating. It helps us grow, and uh, we can bring this to you every week. So this has been Episode 33 of Talk is Cheap. We'll be back next week after Giants Jets.